Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. This is the third of four episodes specifically for Suicide Prevention Month. In suicide awareness and prevention classes, we're trained not to ask something indirect or leading. Like, you're not thinking of doing anything stupid, are you? Who wants to answer yes to a question like that? And someone considering suicide probably does not think it's a stupid idea at all. For those and a lot of other reasons, we're supposed to be direct and ask something like, are you planning to kill yourself? But what do you do if they reply yes? Do you sit with them, let them know you love and support them, hear them out, or do you dial 911? I mean, who's taught that there's a range of suicidal thoughts and behaviors with different risk levels? We sure weren't. And if people don't talk much about mental health challenges because of stigma, we talk even less about the possibility or risks of suicide. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So we want to tell you about a suicide risk assessment tool that you can use. It's called the Columbia Protocol or Columbia Suicide Severity Rating Scale. The questionnaire is short and simple and based on an impressive amount of research. It's endorsed by everyone from the World Health Organization to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, and the FDA. The CSSRS, which it's also called, is six plain language questions, beginning with, have you wished you were dead or wished you could go to sleep and not wake up? From there, it's one of those, if yes, then proceed to, if no, go directly to the final question kind of forms. That final ask everyone question is, have you done anything, started to do anything, or prepared to do anything to end your life? which relates to collecting pills, obtaining a gun, writing a suicide note, and other things. You can see why that's an important question, and one you'd probably never think to ask without some training, prompting, or permission. Again, the assessment tool is a one-page form, which we'll link to and post on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page. We highly recommend printing it out, so if you ever do have a need for it, you've got it. Because we all play a role in suicide prevention. Aside from alerting you to or reminding you about the Columbia Protocol, we also want you to hear today from some past guests who have all been near or over the suicidal line. It can be hard to believe that things will get better unless we know the person saying it has been in as bad a place as we are or have been. So especially if you're really struggling Please open your mind and heart to the messages of today's guests, all of whom have been convinced by depression that they and their lives had no value, yet today are living lives worth living. 
You're going to hear from a lot of people in this episode, all past guests who've shared their stories in the hopes of spreading hope, of telling anyone who will listen that so much of what we believe about mental health challenges and so much of what depression tells us is just plain wrong. We begin with a look at some of the beliefs, misconceptions, and mistakes that can lead us to or across depression's dangerous edge. Never been to counseling. I'd never been hospitalized. I'd never seen a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or any of that stuff because I didn't know that I had permission to ask for help. When we look at, you know, our Afrocentric values, as a, as a culture, we're very religious. And so, as most people, you give your troubles to God. You pray. I wasn't seeing a counselor. I wasn't, you know, taking my medication. You know, we had just moved to a new place. So I, I wasn't kind of regularly seeing friends who would say, hey, is everything okay? You know, you don't quite seem yourself. So I think if in those that first month or so, I would have gotten the information and sort of kind of uh, the permission to go get the correct help. I have a feeling I wouldn't have sunk so deep into this. It's hard to ask for a recommendation for a therapist or a recommendation for a psychiatrist, but but why? When we need a dentist, we, you know, we ask our colleague or we ask our neighbor. When it comes to seeking help, um, I suddenly feel weak or that I can't handle my illness. Because you think other people see it that way. Exactly. Maybe my youngest does since she has not gotten help for it. I mean, for her, I think it's always been about shame and appearing that she is not together. She wants to keep her appearances up that she's okay. The overall stigma of mental health is just universal. But as a society, we're not supposed to talk about it. You know, your troubles are your troubles. You're supposed to deal with it. You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be resilient. You're supposed to be able to overcome and pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Um, me being a, a man, you know, that's intensified. And then when we come and add the me being a black man, it's to the point where at times it's just unbearable. And I was taking very active measures to to, to try to create the exterior of somebody who was still functioning fine at life, um, but I wasn't at all. And I don't understand. That's something I wish I could understand better, um, how you're able to have both these incredibly inaccurate and skewed thoughts and yet still have the functional ability to, to give the impression of being okay. I don't understand how that works. It is really difficult to understand, even from the inside, how depression can just take over our thoughts. We're going to keep this section on the dangerous and damning things depression tells us shorter because those of us with depression don't need to hear them anymore. And if you're lucky enough not to live with depression, please accept that these thoughts can be pervasive and intensely convincing. And if you do have depression, try to find some relief in hearing how standard depression's lies are. It tells us all pretty much the same thing. And hopefully learning that will give you a bit of armor to ward off the thoughts. They're not personal. They're not even about you specifically. They're depression's script being read over and over and over in our minds. 
And so you add loneliness to this, this underlying depression and you start hearing all the, the lies that shame tells us that I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not husband enough. I'm not man enough. I'm not provider enough. I'm not enough. I, I just felt like my contributions just weren't enough and therefore I wasn't enough. I was just feeling like I was so, um, such a failure. I didn't see that anything was ever going to be any different. I was ready to just be done. I mean, that was my plan. It's irrational. It's not logical. Suicide never is. But I thought the best thing I could do for everybody would be to just disappear. It started there and then it manifested into, I just can't do this anymore. I just can't. I just can't. I can't live this way. And there is only one way out. Could say with like a three day period, I went from functioning fairly, you know, fine to um, to just this alternative world in my head that was very dark and was also certain that my family, my 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 daughter, and my husband would be better off if I was not there. When you're uh, in this place of emotional scarcity, uh, that's the only thing you can focus on is getting your needs met in whatever way possible to be able to relieve yourself of this burden. Uh, and for me, since I had no other tools, the thing that I became fixated on was suicide because I had no other coping mechanisms. Nobody had ever taught me uh, any other coping mechanism. So it wasn't that I wanted to die for death's sake. Uh, it's that I didn't want to live that way anymore. And I had no idea how else to get out of it. And I think that's just the worst symptom that depression has is to make you think that it's not an illness, that make you think that it is reality. It's it's not a symptom of the disease to feel this dark and very, you know, skewed way about the world, um, you know, that, that you're somehow more in touch with reality rather than less. Ugh, even in a pretty good place, those thoughts are brutal to hear, aren't they? They certainly are. Now imagine them playing on a loop every day. It can be like that for some people with depression. And if you're one of them, please keep listening. Because every one of those people was well enough to do an interview with the intention of helping someone else believe that the bottom is not the end, that help is available, recovery is possible. And to remind you that suicide takes away any possibility of a future in which things can and do get better. I I really think it's important for people to hear what your experience was as you left the bridge. It was, it was a total disaster. I saw all the people that I was going to hurt. This just, uh, it, it hurt me so much to understand that all the people that I loved, my wife, my daughter, my mom, my dad, my brothers, everybody was going to be so hurt by it. They would never know that it wasn't about them. And they would always have this guilt. I should have stopped him. I should have seen it. I don't know what happened. I would have really changed their lives forever for the worse. And beyond that, did you connect with a will to live? In the water, I was swimming and I was saying, somebody please save me. Somebody please save me. I want to live. I want to live. I I realized that the the things that I felt were unfixable, my failure, were actually very fixable. And and that's that's a huge part of it is that I I did realize that 
this pain didn't have to go on forever. I needed help, but it didn't have to go on forever. That was my realization on the way down. I, I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. That was a time that was, it was rough. Yeah. It was it was rough. And it was, as soon as I started taking the medication, you know, it takes some time to metabolize. Mm-hmm. But, you know, within two months, it just disappeared. And then it, when it disappeared, I'm like, nah, nah, so, so, this, right. this, uh, what's this? And so I'm like, I'm, I, I, sometimes I sit and try to think like, okay, you know, I want to die. And it just goes away. Again, I'm not, I don't advocate one way or another for a prescription as I know for me that that's what I needed to, to help me with that. Yep. And so it was just, it was mind boggling. I'm still baffled by it, you know? Um, but it's part of, in my mind, what literally in my mind, what lets us know it's a real illness, yeah. right? Because if it was just some, some weakness I have, taking a pill wouldn't change that, right? Exactly. It's not a reflection of your character. This is just something that happens. Mm-hmm. A lot of us experience trauma. You know, it's a lot of unresolved trauma. And so I let people know that coping isn't enough. And so, because coping, I look at that as like a band-aid, right? So we, a part of coping, we need to heal. You know what? Yeah, we have to literally go back. And, and really, that's why I'm, I'm such an advocate of therapy. You can't live in this world. It's, it's a tough place to live, you know, without talking to somebody. If you are hurting, if bad things are happening, if things are not normal, that you should talk about them. And if you don't have someone in your family to talk to, you should find a professional. You should find an unbiased third party and work through this stuff because otherwise it will kill you. And there's always, you know, with with, with mental illness, or there's, almost, there's always layers and layers and layers of pain there. It's helping people get past that so that they can want to live healthy and whatever version of that that is for them, whether it's medication or whatever, it's there. People have to realize it's there. What would you say to yourself today, to that man on the bridge that day? The same thing that my wife tells me on a daily basis, that I'm not a failure, that I'm not a failure. You can recover, you can live a, a fulfilled life, and I have. I've lived a fulfilled life in the last 30 some odd years. I, uh, you know, I watched my daughter graduate from high school. I gave her away on her wedding day. Mm-hmm. I saw my grandson and granddaughter born. I mean, all these things that I never would have been able to do. This is what I think about. I think about that I didn't die. I think about how I was found. And I and I wasn't mad when I woke up. I was actually pretty happy that I woke up. And if I didn't if I hadn't woke up, I never would have had my beautiful daughter. I never would have accomplished all the great things in my life that I've accomplished. I would have never had that great degree, that great career in banking. And I never would have met so many amazing people in my life. So for me, it's, I survived once and it was for a reason. Are you uh, glad you're alive? Oh gosh, I'm glad I'm alive. Every minute of every day, I am glad I'm alive. And more and more so every day.
in, in my case, I was literally pulled off a bridge. But it's not like I then went to the hospital and found this amazing medication that changed my life or found this great therapist who unlocked all the secrets of happiness for me. Uh, it was actually a, a slow accumulation of, of positive reinforcement, I think, finding things that I was passionate about, uh, uh, being positively reinforced for that, and then repeating that cycle over and over again for years uh, until eventually you don't realize how far you've gone until you actually stop and look back. You know, you don't realize that you've recovered right away until you look back and realize, hey, it's been 15 years since I stood on the edge of that bridge and, and I actually like my life now and I'm actually happy. I, I want to know what you have to say to the people listening who might be thinking, well, he's different. She's different. I'm I'm actually a loser. We're not different. We all think the same. Your brain lies to you. And you're going, if my brain tells me I'm a loser, then I must believe that. But we can't. There's something wrong there. It's, it's something that can be, can be helped. There is recovery. And that's the, the beauty of it is if, if these people go out, if you go out and you require somebody to help you, you can recover. And I know it's hard for depressed people to to stand up and say, I'm not gonna take this anymore. Right. Usually they sit and 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 say, Well, this is who I am. Like you said, this is my new normal. But it's not. It doesn't have to be. I am living proof of that. That in nineteen eighty five I wanted to die and now several years later, thirty some odd years later, I'm still living because I recover. I'm not different than everybody else. I am the same as everybody else. I should have never woke up. I woke up and panicked because I didn't want to die. I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? You don't want to die. You just want that pain to stop. You don't want to die. All we need is just a tiny flicker of hope. I am absolutely honest that bad days come and life sometimes sucks. But in the last five years, I have seen that good days come, that hope is real. It's not just this thing way far out there somewhere that I hope to grasp. Wait, pick up the phone, call someone. You just want to stop hurting. And the pain sometimes is so oh, it's so um, paralyzing that you don't want to feel it. But if you wait and just pick up the phone and call someone and tell someone what you're feeling. So sometimes you just survive the day. Sometimes you just survive the hour. But as you survive that hour, you learn that Hey, you know what? I did that. I made it. I made it through another hour. And then I made it through another day. And oh my gosh, I made it this week. And and then that survival starts to multiply. And, and you really do figure out that you're a lot stronger than you've ever given yourself credit for. And sometimes the strongest that we ever are is when we are able to say, I'm weak. I'm weak and I need a doctor. I'm weak and I need a counselor. I'm weak and I need a friend. And then you start getting stronger. 
wow, I am covered with goosebumps. That last compilation, Terry, felt like rain falling down on like a dry little seed in the earth. Now that's something that our brains need to hear on infinite loop when we need it. Right. Putting it together, I kept thinking, do I add one more? Do I add one more? And I was like, hell yeah, you do. Add one more. We need to hear this. We need to believe this. And we need to know that these are the very same people who were talking at the beginning of this episode about how they believed it was over. That's suicide prevention. We need to remember that. We need to tell people that. And we need to believe it. Amen. Hope is real. Hope is real. Hope is real. So please share this episode during Suicide Prevention Month. Everybody needs to hear, even if it's hard to hear, which I thought it really was. And we wish you peace in your, in your world and in your mind. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.